P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rock! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a tape thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans! Welcome to P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm still Brian Rodriguez. And I'm still Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk all things Philip Seymour Hoffman and beyond. Kyle, how you been? I've been doing pretty well. Uh, Just, you know, summer is over. Uh, Well, I mean, is it technically over? Isn't the, I don't know when the how solstice works and all of that. Um, it should be around when this podcast is released. So yeah. I think summer might be still going on, but you know, you know, it's for all kinds of purposes. Day, exactly because school like, is in session for you. Yes, school's in session. High school slumber party. That's for sure. Yeah, everyone's always eating though. So that's I don't have any. <laughs> not that you took a break because of the summer, but it was just a little no. a little change up, a little different vibe out there. The Godfather of the Cage Club Podcast Network convinced me not to do this, but sometimes I regret. Um, not taking every summer as an off chance because I have the perfect podcast for it to like have a break. Yeah, you know, and even I, Conan O'Brien took a break, and he's been deemed like. And I know so many, um, you know, of us podcasters, not me because I love him, but like we're offended that he was dubbed like. There was some article that was like said to be like he's you know is he like a savior of podcasts or something like that. And that bothers me a little bit because look, Conan, Conan's amazing. Like he's not like he didn't come up in the podcasting scene. I know that sounds hipster. No, exactly. However, he, he's great at it. But it's, I know that doesn't surprise you. That shouldn't surprise anyone. Like his show is essentially a podcast. Like the way he interviews people is a podcast. So, like the Conan podcast, great. I know you turned me on to it. Not that I didn't know who Conan was, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but no, I I love that show. That's for sure. Um, we don't take breaks, though, on P.S. I Love Hoffman. We, t- we took a little break, I guess, but we couldn't quit him. We couldn't quit our main man. No, it, that was the whole thing. We were just like, I mean, we miss, missed doing a podcast together, but I mean, specifically watching, well, you can always watch the films, but talking about these amazing films and just talking with you Hoff fans out there, which is always a, a delight having you guys comment and just being involved and just feeling even more involved with you guys voting on the, you know, to what, what film oh, we're going to yeah. watch and talk and everything. And at the end of this episode, we'll announce the winner of our, I can't believe I'm saying this, October 1st episode. October. Halloween <laughs> spooky. It's, again, Halloween, October is one of the weird things because Halloween is literally the last day of October, but we consider yeah. October like the Halloween month. <laughs> um, but we'll talk more Halloween chat in our next mid-month series, because that'll be actually closer to Halloween. True, and again, very true. we'll announce the vote at the end of this podcast, but 
I mean, you're mentioning it, and I'm kind of thinking about it. I haven't been on your show, Foodie Films, in a while, and you haven't been on High School Slumber Party in a while, so we'll have to rectify that. Definitely. That that will, that will be rectif- rectified. Rectified? Rectified. <laughs> I know you had a, a whole series that I was a part of. Oh, we gotta do, we gotta do the uh, Andy Kaufman... Um, my breakfast of Blassie one for for your series. Yes, we need to continue the, continue the my dinner series, <laughs> and then also we have we have a we have a special treat I think for uh, oh. Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, I can't wait for this one. This might be of all podcasts I ever done, and I know you don't want to really talk about it yet, but this might be my favorite assignment ever. But we'll leave that <laughs> for another day. A lot of Hoffman news this month, believe it or not. A lot of Hoffman oh. news. I know you have something, too, that you want to share, but I'll go first because I have three and you only have one, I believe. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, you're the man with the homework assignments. So I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just a slacker in the back of the classroom most of the time. I met you in a high school classroom. We weren't in the back because we were the two R's, but it's a, it's pretty poetic. But I'll bring up two things in the news. You'll bring mm-hmm. up yours, and then I'll end with mine. And I'm just going to pick randomly here, but a lot of cool Hoffman stuff in the news, believe it or not. The first thing I think you'll be super interested in, Kyle. I'll ask you this question. On our whole P.S. I Love Hoffman run, what was one of the most surprising films for you? And you can list a couple, because I'm sure you're going to name this one. Well, I mean, surprising? Uh, the, f- the first one that comes to mind would be A Late Quartet. Bingo. Uh, I, on the first guess, you guessed the one I wanted you to guess. So. Oh, okay, perfect. So A Late Quartet was directed by an Israeli man named Yaron Zilberman. And I remember talking about it on the episode, like, wow, this movie is great. I want to see more from this guy. Yeah, and he really hadn't done much. No, and but there's a new movie by him, actually. That's, oh. hit, that's hitting a couple of the, uh, the, a couple of the film festivals. You know, this is film festival season. It's film yeah, festival we just had, circus we season. Venice, we had Toronto, and then New York's coming up. So is TIFF Toronto? Or? Yeah, the Toronto International Film Festival. Okay, that's what I thought. He screened his film called Incitement at Toronto. Oh, and okay. I'm very curious to see it because, again, you and I both love the late quartet. This is more, um, you know, I would say, <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but Middle Eastern, Israeli. According to the article I'm reading with The Hollywood Reporter, it's a drama that scrutinizes the background of a young Orthodox student who assassinated Israeli Prime Minister okay. Itzhak Rabin in 1995. Hmm. So, definitely different from Elite Quartet, but it's certainly an interesting story. Yeah, that uh, sounds, sounds pretty different. Sounds something that's maybe a more personal story to where he grew up and what he knows uh you know i love that israeli stuff though like because you know munich is one of my favorite films yeah it's a great movie so i just recorded with somebody earlier for high school slumber party and after we recorded they asked me like if you could do any other podcast what would you do and then i went on a diatribe that i shouldn't have for about 30 minutes where it's like hey i don't think about that because i have to edit (laughs) But then I thought about it after he left, and I said, there are a couple things I would like to do for sure. And one of them, I haven't seen it done, believe it or not, and it's a super, super, super obvious one. And it pains me to think that Philip Seymour Hoffman never worked with this guy. But I'd love to do a Steven Spielberg podcast. You, you see the early films, you see the amazing hits, you see where maybe people say was his downfall, which I might not necessarily agree. But, like, 
I wish our main man, Philip Seymour Hoffman, worked with Spielberg. I, I thought of it because of Munich, you know. But yeah. even still, there's so many great films did, in that podcast. Did Spielberg produce Twister? Oh, he might have, actually. He might have. I, mean, I wasn't counting producer credit, but he might have. Yeah, but I think he... Um, you know, I think... I mean, I, I, I have a feeling at least they met, you know? Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I were kind of, just, just even wish. through him... Uh, you know, Spielberg is such close friends with J.J. Abrams, I'm sure since Mission Impossible was his first feature film, Spielberg probably visited set and that kind of stuff. So. And doesn't he seem like a guy who would be in a late Spielberg film, though? Definitely. Like I the mean, poster, just, like, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see him in, like, a Munich somehow. Or he, oh, yeah. His, he he oh. nailed the Gunther Bachman. I was going to say, we saw him in uh, Gunther Bachman. <laughs> okay, so article number two. Are you ready for it, Kyle? I'm ready. So a new film is making the film festival rounds, also at Toronto this year, but in some other stuff, called The Capote Tapes. Oh, very and cool. Capote is played by someone in their feature film debut called Ebbs Bruno, I believe. <laughs> mm. And it's just about more of Capote's life. It's less about In Cold Blood, but it's based on some footage of Capote and it's getting some good reviews because apparently like it splices real life uh, footage with someone being Capote. Gotcha. It doesn't have a, uh, a release date yet. It doesn't have a wide release, but I'd definitely be curious to check it out because we've seen Hoffman play Capote. We've seen, I think his name was Toby Jones. Yep. Toby Jones. Like yeah. Yeah. Play Capote in infamous and it's such a iconic voice, right? Like the Capote voice and the Capote acting. And of course, we know that Hoffman won for Capote. So I, I'm curious to see any portrayal of Capote and how it compares. You're not going to compare it to anything Hoffman does, of course. But, you know, it interests me because he seems like such a fascinating man, Truman Capote. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. I mean, what was what I liked about the movie Capote, you know, Hoffman's Capote, is while it is like a biopic, it, it, it was such a specific part of his life, which is refreshing compared to, I mean, and that came all out, what, all the way back in 2005, I think it won in 2006, um... Or vice or two thousand four, two thousand five. But point being that, <laughs> uh, com- you know, compared to even the biopics now, they just all feel so similar. And while I mean he's an author versus like a lot, we're getting a lot of rock star movies. It's just, it was just it was such a refreshing movie. So I'm oh yeah I am curious to see what these Capote tapes and just if it's more about his personal life like what it. Just how it differentiates. That's cool. Definitely worth checking out. Hey, Brian here. Cutting into this episode because, well, that movie is not a narrative movie at all. It's actually a documentary. I looked into it some more, and it looks pretty awesome. Still, I agree with everything me and Kyle are saying. We want to learn more about Capote. I still would like to compare our main man, Philip Zimmer Hoffman's performance, to the actual footage that has been discovered from Truman Capote. I'm really excited for this documentary, so I just wanted to make that correction here and apologize. Apologize to all you Hoff fans out there for screwing up. I suck at reading, I guess. And I want to apologize to Kyle as well, because I think on this show I've made fun of his lack of reading, and it's Brian who can't read this time, so apologies, apologies all around. Back to the episode. All right, Kyle, it's your turn to bring something to the table. Show and tell. 
Sure. Uh, well, I, I want to continue my mentioning of uh, Conan O'Brien before because I just I looked up the article, at least one of the articles, and it was Variety, and their their headline is How Conan O'Brien and Other Top Hosts Are Tapping Into the Podcast Revolution. So not necessarily is he being called, you know, like leading the revolution, but just clearly, you know, taking advantage of it, which some people are not, you know, thrilled by because... If you know if he's being associated with a podcast revolution, there's a lot more, uh, you know, other people that have put in the work over the years. And I mean, obviously, there are famous people now too. I mean, some of the top ones being Mark Marin and Joe Rogan. Like, yeah, that's guys. who I was just gonna say. Like, those guys were already somewhat famous, or at least known names in the comedy world before yeah. their podcast. And then they did their podcast and like took it to a new level. And that's I'm not saying you and I are the ones responsible for the podcast boom. Certainly not. No, we we <laughs> but, we, we jumped in when there was you know hundreds of thousands of podcasts. yes. But people like <laughs> Joe Rogan and Mark Maron, who you mentioned, those are the real like godfathers of podcasting. Yeah, they paved the way. But it's awesome that Conan is out there, and even I mean the only reason I mentioned him before is because he kind of took a summer break. But even in between. The, his, you know, his episodes, he, he keeps a very strict format, and they're always right around, like, an hour long, and I'm all for longer podcasts, especially with, you know, people with, you know, these personalities, whether, whether they're comedians, actors, musicians, politicians, just because, I mean, they got a lot to talk about, so I'm all about a longer format. But anyway, but even in his little summer break, he did six half-hour episodes with, uh, with uh, every episode with Dana Carvey, which I know I played a couple for you when we were driving back from upstate um and uh so even even mr o'brien didn't t- really take a summer break but anyway the main thing i wanted to bring up was because i believe it was on our last little in between episode that or maybe two ago that we brought up how tarantino mentioned he had like a little problem with uh boogie nights mm, yeah. uh, and uh and burt reynolds role and just that whole th- you know of his portrayal of a uh, porn director and that it was so similar to whichever adult film director that was and how it wasn't accurate but i mean he and P- and pt anderson are very close friends and so i i, I just wanted to bring up that there was a discussion um, between the two of them, and I mean, you can. I, I've got an Indie Wire article right here, and there was a there's a video, but it's also on. Um, I think it's it's on a podcast. Let me see if it says it right here. I think it's called uh, the Director's Cut. I think is the name of the podcast. I mean, we can definitely post this article hmm. from Indie Wire. But the point being, if you just Google. Um, Quentin Tarantino and Paul Tom- Thomas Anderson discussion, you know, like some of the most recent ones will show that they had a talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because, uh, you know, again, they're very good friends, and P.T. Anderson wanted to talk to Quentin Tarantino about it, and supposedly he's seen it in, th- like, at least, like, five times or something like that. Uh, you know, P.T. Anderson, that is, and absolutely loves it, so it's just kind of him uh, just so excited to talk about this movie with with his friend and it's it was a, i listened to it uh over, like at least a week ago maybe, maybe you know and 
Uh, it's a yeah, it was a fun little. There is a video of it, but I think then there's just audio of it as well, or maybe huh? it was just audio that I listened to. Yeah, that's but interesting. Well, at least they're cool with each other. It was yeah. no, no harm, no foul there. I mean, I to be honest with you, I'm not over the film, but I'm so over Tarantino's like arrogance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's worth listening to. I you know because I think he's definitely someone if you just read like quotes of him it, it it just comes off so arrogant and not that he doesn't come off arrogant in this discussion with P.T. Anderson but you can at least hear his passion and his knowledge like he just has so much knowledge and again and and passion like this he like there's this one uh, did you ha, have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood not yet uh, I only watched high school film <laughs> there's this and and Philip Seymour Hoffman movies Yes. There's this one specific, you know, just like montage of when, you know, the day is ending, dusk and everything, and the neon lights of like LA back in 1969 are coming on. And it's just something that he, and a lot of these, you know, don't exist anymore. You know, even like obviously we're, we're familiar as well, you being a New Yorker and me living right across the river, how there's really no neon light signs anymore. It's all LEDs and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like an homage, and it's just something he's had in his head for a long time, and something he finally got to put into an appropriate movie, and just something just like his love letter in a way to LA and the LA film scene, and just, you know, he's just, he just he's such a film nerd that he has the you know this knowledge and so i i do in the end appreciate that and he's got an opinion i mean definitely about his movies but he is the creator of those but yeah sure in those moments where like the article we discussed the last time reading that it comes off arrogant but at the same time i'm curious if i heard him have a conversation with pt anderson about that how exactly that would come off like i just want to hear the vocal context of it all that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I mean, I love his movies, like, he's just, uh, but as far as, yeah, as a, as a person, he definitely, obviously has his opinionated and arrogant moments, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a worthy, it's, it's not long, I think it's like a half hour, so it's a nice little quick, yeah, I see it right now, I think with, with an intro oh. and an outro, it's 34 minutes and 30 seconds, so totally worth checking out, again, if you just Google, you know, P.T. Anderson. Or Kyle. Quentin Tarantino. You could post it to our Facebook page. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> and just a reminder, guys, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us, well, I guess you'd like on Facebook, but you know what I mean. Follow us on Instagram. We love hearing from you. The Hoff fans have been so great to us, but more importantly, to the memory of the big man, the man we all love, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And again, like, it's been, it's been pretty awesome just hearing everyone's, uh, thoughts and opinions and i mean i don't think to be honest with you i don't think you like our page and you're like i'm not a hoffman fan you know yeah not a hoffman but still it's it's very much appreciated and it's very much loved um i i wanted to read something off our instagram that i thought was funny if you don't mind kyle if you grant me the permission yes i i, I do <laughs> you do good i do we'll get into this later Clearly, the Godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, was favoring a certain film this week. Let's see if that one won. Oh, but a certain, um, how can I put it? A certain Hoffman sibling. I don't think 
she was too happy with the choice of the Hoff fans last week. So, Philip Seymour Hoffman's sister, who we've talked about on this show before, uh, she every time we put the talented Mr. Ripley on the vote, she she always commented, okay, we've only done it twice, I'm not saying it always, but she always says, <laughs> she always says tell me, tell me, tell me. And it never wins, and I feel bad. Hoff well, fans out there, vote, vote for the talented Mr. Ripley next time it's on. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, she's she's excellent at and sharing and sharing on the the remembrance p- page for her brother, but uh, yeah, those other Hoff and like you know maybe those Hoff fans that are for that page that quite possibly don't listen, they they gotta be tapped into as well. So we get to cover, I mean, that or just obviously we'll just have to throw down the gavel and just say well, to Mr. Ripley. Maybe Kyle we'll do is- a double feature of a long cane poly and talent <laughs> Mr. Ripley. Well, Kyle, I bring this up on air. I haven't discussed this with you yet, but I bring this up on air on purpose because after that, and I don't know how we would do it, I don't know if we'd have to go somewhere else to do it, but after that she said, maybe I will watch and cast that one with you when it's picked. Wow. So, so Emily, if you're out there, if you're listening, if the Hoff fans do grant us that awesome privilege, we would love to have you. I'm sorry if I'm speaking for you, Kyle, but I think you agree. No, yeah, you're 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 more than welcome to speak for me because it would just be such an honor. I love to meet. I mean, obviously, I mean that would be the closest person to like just the relationship you had. I mean, it was fantastic when we got to speak with Amos Poe, but I mean to speak with you, his sister, and just hear about him and uh and his craft and just i mean would would just love to and just and just to sit down and watch a movie with you what, that, that would be such an amazing experience so you know i have Schuler questions kyle you know i do yeah oh yeah exactly. <laughs> let's fly to <laughs> so many questions make a so little weekend out of it you know emily if you're listening out there i don't know if you listen i don't know if you don't but uh, i might slide into your dms and ask about this so <laughs> Let's wait on that, but, you know, hopefully something coming on PSA Love Hoffman. That'd be nice. So, Kyle, I saved the worst article for last by accident. Oh, well, that's <laughs> not good. I didn't know, but it's not fun or great. It says, Philip Seymour Hoffman's old West Village pad sells for $2.57 million. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. But he never lived in it. Oh. It was just something he bought, like, before his death, but never got to move into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Good for whoever bought it. I'm sure it's a nice place if it's in the West Village. It's awesome that he, like, previously signed on to owning it. And apparently this is going to his estate, so that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. That's got to be, obviously, uh, you know, good uh, you know, for his uh, partner and kids and all that. But who knows, Kyle? We don't know the real estate gossip in New York or whatever's going no. on here, so it's not fair. But, Kyle, I think now's the time, now's the time to announce the voting, the results from the Hoff fans from our two previous films. Before we do that, we always do the same thing. I want you to handicap these two films. So we had a Halloween vote this month. And again, you could vote on Facebook, you could vote on Instagram. And it was Red Dragon versus My Boyfriend's Back. What do you think about these two films? Um, well, My Boyfriend's Back, I mean, neither film, we get him a whole lot, but I mean, My Boyfriend's Back is very early in his career. I remember, I mean, I've only seen the movie once, 
Um, I think when, you know, I had seen parts of it when we watched it the first time from, like, when it sure replayed on, like, Saturday afternoon, WB11 or something like that. Um, so I remember his role being a little silly, uh, and then Red Dragon, I mean, he plays, like, a scumbag reporter, but I, you know, I mean, he has a pretty, you know, couple of, couple of good scenes, and then, uh, both movies, both both in both movies, he he. Uh, spoiler alert: he dies in them. So uh, two very ridiculous, crazy deaths. One much more haunting than the other. Uh, but uh, his, I mean, the scene. I guess the fact that he gets to play with some heavy hitters in in Red Dragon with like Ray Fiennes and stuff like that. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, I de- I think I definitely enjoy Red Dragon more. Well, Kyle, it seems like you'll be in luck. And that Joey Lewandowski, the godfather himself of the Cage Club Podcast Network, will not be because he was pushing hard for my boyfriend's back, which was the first time we ever had him on a podcast of ours on the original run. Yes, yes, wow. But unfortunately, his film did not win, and pretty much a landslide. I guess because it's more well-known, Red Dragon is the winner. So on October 1st, you and I will be sitting down, likely on your couch, but you never know. Could be on mine this time. On some couch somewhere, we'll be sitting down and watching Red Dragon. More importantly, my couch, your couch, it doesn't matter. It'll be on all the Hoff fans' couches, because we'll watch it together with you. Thank you so much, Hoff fans, for selecting Red Dragon. It should be interesting, because I haven't seen it since we did this episode on it. Yeah, me neither, yeah. So, who knows? Maybe we'll have a good time. Maybe we won't. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. Ray Fiennes is in that, right? He's like the Red Dragon. He's in that, and then, oh god, why am I blanking? Her name is also Emily from uh, Punch Drunk Love. And, oh, she's in it? And, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and Synecdoche. Yeah, her, that lady. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out by the time the podcast comes on. <laughs> so, Kyle, uh, Foodie Films I think is going to be really fun. I don't know if you're going to mention it, but you and I... And other people, but you and I recently had a good foodie and, and drinky trip, if you will. So I hope you mention it in the intro and the exit at some point, hopefully. Or do you have an exit? You don't think you have an exit, right? No, don't 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 have an outro, but definitely in my cold open in uh, the next episode I'd, uh, I release, which should this will come out before then, but nonetheless it will be discussed about. So yeah, it was a great great food and drink experience and just a lot more uh, fun conversations. Most recently with Jenna Rosen, the uh, marketing and events manager for Time Out uh, Market in Dumbo, Brooklyn. So some more Time Out Market family members from jo- Joao Sapita, probably not getting that name correct again, the creator of the Time Out Market. Uh, but yeah, Jenna is just a great person that has put me in contact with a lot of other great people, and we had a really fun conversation, so check that out. Yeah, it definitely was a fun conversation. Um, you just made me think of this, but recently, again, someone we've mentioned way too much on this episode of Joey Lewandowski was on my show, High School Slumber Party, for an episode on an indie film called Never Going Back, and we both realized that this film is a huge foodie film. Oh. So, you should add it to your list, because... I've seen it. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah, it's the one, it's the water park, right? No, 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 that's The Way, Way Back, which oh, he was I'm also sorry. on. <laughs> This film was never going back. But I don't mind you mention it. Those were two films we recently did on High School Slumber Party. So The Way Way Back has, like... That that one's written by Nat Faxon and 
Jim Rash. Jim Rash. Sorry, Jim Rash. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a cool film, too. But before that, he was on this film called Never Going Back. Small indie film. I'd be surprised if you saw it. But there's so many foodie scenes in that film that I think it qualifies. Um, they're about two girls, two high school dropouts who work at a diner. Um, yeah, the- totally qualifies if you work if you work at a food or a drink establishment. That is, that is a check. You're in. But there's a major scene, too, at, like, a burger joint. Like, uh, one of the roommates works there. And there's a lot of food scenes. There's a lot of interesting stuff. So I, I don't know if you'll like the film. I think you will. But I know you'll definitely uh, consider it a, a foodie film after watching it. That's for sure. Just spoiler alert, there's a scene where they're very much on drugs at this point. Mm-hmm. And they're very hungry. And they see... I think they're... I don't want to say they're banana pancakes, but they're at the very least pancakes. I imagine them as banana pancakes, but it's a very like slow motion uh, Michael Bolton song. You know, I'm not gonna do justice to it now, but it's like the song is called something like "How Am I Supposed to Live Without You." You know that song by Michael Bolton? I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not well versed on Michael Bolton. You've heard I like, apologize. You've heard oh no, I'm song. sure I've heard it. Yeah, yeah. Once it's like "How Am I Supposed to Live Without You," whatever. Typical Michael Bolton stuff. It's a great scene. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. But we did that recently, and we're doing some other great stuff on High School Slumber Party. We've entered our sophomore year. I'm sure you'll be on a couple of sophomore year episodes. Um, I guess I'll tease it now, but we'll be in the midst of it in our next episodes. But I'm doing a women in horror series. A couple films that are either directed by women or starring women in horror. That'll be my High School Slumber Party Halloween thing. I don't know what cool things you have planned for Halloween, Kyle, but I know as you mentioned, Foodie Films is going to have an awesome awesome Thanksgiving-ish special and we'll just leave it at that. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Alright, Kyle, so as we always say, you know, like us on social media but don't forget to subscribe and listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, but Kyle, you always get that last word, and I love it every time. Stay on cool, Haw fans.